This is Bill Mosley, and you're listening to Spooky All American Spook Show. The All American Spook Show. And even though I made a terrible mistake, please listen anyway. And just remember one thing Run, Rabbit! All the way to the theaters to see Three from Hell when it finally comes out. Thank you. This week we are going to be discussing the more modern, I guess, cult classic. I mean, I guess it qualifies as a cult classic at this point, right? Yeah, then that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I, I, I think we still consider it modern, I guess, because it's it's on the other side of 2000, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Or it's on this, it's on this side of 2000. Old fogies like myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I still consider anything that came out in 2000 new. Yeah. If it yeah, came yeah. out in 99, that's still kind of new, but at least it's, you know, before 2000. Yeah, that, that's our <laughs> that's our kind of unofficial cutoff line is yeah. 2000. Kind of new. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the 2003 release, Rob Zombie's directorial debut, House of a Thousand Corpses. I believe it was also uh, Rain Wilson's, like one of his first films. Rain Wilson? Yeah, Rain, mm-hmm. Rain Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't, I mean, like, Obviously, now you you remember him most from uh, uh, The Office, you know, the show that was on NBC for forever. Yeah, playing um, Dwight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this was probably one of his, I mean, without having it right in front of me, I mean, it's definitely probably one of his first ones. Definitely the first time it was on my radar, for sure. Yeah, because um, I remember the first time I saw The was the Office was like, like hey, it's the guy from House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> yeah. I actually looked at it here, like, other than uh, he played in a, in a episode of One Life to Live, it wasn't that like a soap opera or something. Yeah. Oh, other, yeah. other than that, his first appearance, his first movie was Galaxy Quest. Oh wow. Oh really? Oh huh. yeah. What year was Galaxy Quest? By the way, I can't uh, remember what year that? Was. That's uh, that's that qualifies as an old film now because it was in 1999. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it must have been that was the one right right before because right because they started shooting I guess in what 99 or 2000 or so for. Uh, yeah, yeah. This House was in two, 
Yeah, uh, I think it was, from what I could tell, it was shot in, uh, like, the spring and summer of 2000. So, yeah, this would have been uh, right before that, I guess, Galaxy Quest. And he was also in, uh, um, uh, apparently had a role in Almost Famous, too. Oh, okay. But like you said, this would have been around the same time that they filmed this. You know, so he did other things than this, and then it's years later, a couple, you know, three years later before this movie actually yeah. comes out, so... But yeah, this was uh, I'd say it's definitely a, a modern cult classic for sure. But we'll get into we'll get into a little bit more of that here in a little bit. Uh, Will, what you been uh, up to lately? What you been watching and getting into? Not a whole heck of a lot here lately. Uh, I cannot think of a single thing that that I've like tacked on since the last time we uh, recorded, <laughs> which is a stark contrast from the list that I had last time. Yeah, <laughs> I've been staring at a static TV. <laughs> <laughs> I started digging back into Gears of War. I hadn't played with that in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched that or uh, played that one for sure. <laughs> I had to help uh, an old friend get through a, a tricky spot in the game, and uh, I've been playing it ever since. Yeah, that's weird. Some somebody's not able to, uh, you know, get past something, and then they get it held against them forever. But uh, yeah, <laughs> at least you were not able to help. Any, right? not, not naming any names, but. Uh, uh, Josh was stuck in a spot for a month, and I beat it in like what three minutes? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> a little known fact to all the to to you, Smoke, and all the other listeners is that I always call Will uh, Johnny Arcade because it takes him about two minutes to figure anything out in a, in a video game. <laughs> I could sit there and like toy with it for months and be like, "Man, fuck this game," and then he'll come along and beat it like that. It happens all the time. <laughs> Like, I still haven't got out of the damn office thing or at the uh, Raccoon City in Resident Evil 2. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Let's see, wouldn't, well, I'm thinking back to the original uh, Resident Evil 2. Wasn't that the one that came, like, in two discs, and you could play as the guy or the girl? Yeah. Fair yeah. Or, uh, oh, yeah. God, I love that one. Yeah, me too. Man. I still, <laughs> I could still probably just break that open and play. I mean, they just put out a newer version of it, right? Sort of a remix version, I guess you would, if you will. I, Dude, I think yeah. they've re- they've remastered that game probably a half a dozen times. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and put it on. It, it comes out on every platform, like even yeah, though it's you know, twenty five or twenty years old by now. Yeah. Is anybody still watching these movies? Well, here's the video game still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then while we're thinking talking about that too, you can pretty much thank what well, Resident Evil is one of the reasons why pretty much why The Walking Dead's on right now. Oh, <laughs> if yeah. you want to break it down that way, because that whole like zombies are pretty much gone away. And then Resident Evil came back, brought them back in. Yeah, I think, pretty much I think got Dawn of the Dead green lighted for a remake and, that and Walking Shaun Dead. Of the Dead. Yeah, and Shaun of the Dead too. Yeah. yeah, Shaun of the Dead is just so good. Yeah, that movie's just hilarious. It's not just yeah. hilarious, but it's just well done as far. Oh, as exactly. Not like, necessarily like, making fun of the genre, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all the jokes are are like in in the, in the correct vein for, for right. that movie, not to be making just fun of it, as opposed yeah. to say like scary movie. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you tell that they're first and foremost fans of not just the zombie genre, but just horror in general and exploitation cult movies, and just also happen to be very adept at writing hilarious scripts too. So, yeah, yeah. I recently watched uh, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did get a chance to see that in the theater when it was out. Do you like it? Oh yeah, it was awesome, but. I- I was, it just reminded me when you were talking about Shaun of the Dead, because I think it was, I could be mistaken, I've watched a handful of things lately, but I think it was Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse where, like, they go into a parallel universe, or, or no, I guess they're in the, 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 uh, 
the universe that Miles Morales lives in. Mm-hmm. And they're in Times Square or something like that. And they see a sign. There's signs and, you know, all the stuff that's in Times Square. And one yeah. of the signs is for, uh, I think it was called Dawn of the Sean. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't think I, I think I missed that one. Then I must have missed yeah, that. Yeah, it's like in the background. It's like a, a like a, a poster or an advertisement. Yeah. I'm guessing it's either in that universe. It's not Shaun of the Dead. It's Dawn of the Sean. Either Dawn that, Shaun. Or, yeah, either that or it's a sequel to Shaun oh, of the Dead okay. in that universe. One or the other. But yeah, it's just kind of in the background. And it, I don't think they ever show it like directly on either. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of over there on the left. Like you know, you, it just caught my eye. Like, oh shit! Yeah, there's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> There's a lot of those kind of things in that movie, though, man. There's Easter eggs, yeah, all over it. Actually, I just pulled it up online. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's from dusk till Sean. From dusk till yeah, there, there you go. Till Sean. Oh, I don't right. know. Dawn, Dawn of the Sean sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I can, I'll, I'll try to share that to the Facebook page. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I watched that recently. So yeah, I finally got it. I, like I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out, and I finally managed to sit down and watch it. Dude, that was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of that. I saw Mandy. You know, the, oh, you, uh, you finally got around to watching it. Yeah, finally got around to watching that. What'd you really, think? I enjoyed. It. I don't know why. I mean, I waited so long. We haven't we hadn't picked it up on DVD or Blu-ray yet, but but uh, we watched it on one of the streaming services, and yeah, it was. I love, I enjoyed it, but I, I like that director's first movie too, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, that's a proper mind fuck, right? That, oh yeah, Randy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Will, have you got around to watching that one yet? It's on Shutter. No, no, I haven't. I haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, you need to watch that. That's that movie's weird. It's good though. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's, it's definitely good. It definitely plays off of like I said that director's other movie. Not plays off of it as far as the theme or anything, but his Same first look. movie, that Beyond the Black Rainbow, was definitely a mind fuck of a movie too. It's just that one was more. Had less plot, I guess you could say. It was more of the mind fuckery than the mm-hmm. plot, and uh, you can see where he kind of evolved into Mandy with the storylines and everything going a little bit yeah. different. And, and but you could if you, even if you go online and read reviews, you'll still see those splits. Same way you did with his first movie of people that love it, people that hate it, mm-hmm. and not a whole lot of down the middle ones. Which the same could be said for House of a Thousand Corpses too, actually. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it's it, honestly, it's kind of like that with almost all horror movies, though, right? I mean, like. You know, true. Yeah, yeah. There's not. I mean, once you get outside the box of mainstream, you know, you got like us and those movies that come out that are generally uh, well received all the way around. You know, or Get Out, which technically, I guess, maybe wasn't a horror movie, but still played off of that. But even those movies are still generally somewhat polarizing, though, in terms of yeah, yeah. you're gonna get a fifty-fifty split. You know, like you either love it or hate it. There's no meh. It was all right. You know, like you yeah. either like man, that sucked or that was awesome. It's one or the other. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of times these days too, with depending on which route they go with the movie, whether they go to a more surreal sort of, you know, plot based plots there, but it's maybe not as relied upon as the visuals. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get movies like The Witch, and those type of movies that really polarize people too. Either you you, you love it or hate it, and that's pretty much it. Now that one right there. Now I enjoyed that one, but it definitely The Witch was, I did yeah, too. Yeah, but Loved it definitely it. wasn't what exactly what I was expecting of it either, though. No, and I think that is one of the other things too that are kind of going around here with the with the trailers for movies. Like whenever they put the trailer out for the witch, it made it look like it was going to be sort of this throwback to gothic horror. Mm-hmm. And then you know when you go in to see it, it's not that at all. Something a little bit totally different. So I think some of that might be, some of that could be laid at the feet of whoever's putting out the trailers for some of the movies, are kind of gearing them towards, maybe pushing it towards horror when it's not necessarily 100 percent that you know. 
you see that with a lot of movies. Like you got too many cooks in the kitchen with these studios and stuff as far as, oh, yeah. you know, the director. They're trying to make a buck. <laughs> yeah, so they're yeah. like, yeah. So the director and or the producer aren't necessarily the people in the room when they're cutting those trailers and stuff. It might right. be a whole different crew of guys doing yeah. that. And, you know, the, like you said, because they're just trying to make as much money as they can and make it a yeah. little, <laughs> True. Have, it, have a mass appeal. And then it just, you know, it's not what you... That and too, they 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 do the old bait and switch with a lot of movies too, where you'll see stuff in the trailer that's not in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Which sometimes can be good, but true. You yeah. know, it's almost like misadvertisement, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's either scenes that maybe were shot and intended to be in the movie, but weren't, but were using the trailer, or the other way that completely shot specifically for the trailer and not even in the movie. Suicide Squad that came out a few years ago was kind of accused of that. You know, that they made it seem like it was. Like you were going to see the Joker atone in this movie, and then in reality, you didn't really see him that much. Oh yeah. By the way, I heard the new uh, Suicide Squad that's coming out is apparently going to be a total reboot. So they're wow. going to so they're going to pretend that the first one didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I read. Hmm. I mean that 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 could be good, but man, DC just they can't get out of their own way as far as like you know having a continuity within their little universe man i mean yeah, if, if, if y'all think of the shazam trailer and everything that's uh, going to be coming out not too long from now yeah matter of fact that comes out uh april 5th i think which i think i could be wrong but i think that's right around the same time as uh the new pet cemetery is coming out right yeah that I believe so. is that the same I'm, I'm not sure if it's the exact same week or not but it is right there near the beginning of April, I believe, right? Yeah, I think it is the same day. Yeah, April 5th. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking of the whole Suicide Squad thing, I'm looking it up now, and like, I'm seeing a bunch of different headlines, uh, and there's just as many saying Suicide Squad will be a total reboot versus uh, other headlines saying it is not a reboot. So uh, <laughs> you can go home and do we your We have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> we tend to... Uh, all of us, you know, tend to overanalyze such things anyway. So let's just see what's going to happen, yeah. and then we'll yeah, determine. That, that's the uh, one of the drawbacks of uh, of the digital age. <laughs> True, everybody's got an opinion, and this that's why we have the All American Spook Show podcast. That's right, <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there were too many people slobbering for uh, three dudes from South Carolina's opinions on horror movies, but here you go. <laughs> you got it anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> listen or don't. We don't care. Actually, we do. We want you to listen. <laughs> yes, yes. Things you didn't know you needed until you had them. <laughs> Forget everything I just said about the uh, the internet being, you know. No, no, so we're all good. We're all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, you know, before we get in the, into House of a Thousand Corpses, I will mention that you can uh, get in contact with us. And our email address is allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, on Instagram, we're uh, getting closer or inching closer and closer to over a thousand followers. Jump, jump on Instagram and uh, follow us if you haven't already. Which I would imagine if you're listening to this, you're probably following us on Instagram. But who knows? We also have a uh, tea public uh, presence. We have a shop, um, which, you know, we're, we've got some ideas for a couple of new shirt designs that we might be putting up pretty soon. Haven't got around to that yet. So basically right now what, what is available is just the uh, All-American Spook Show logo shirt. But, you know, it's more than just shirts, though. I mean, like you can get this stuff on uh, tank tops, hoodies. Uh, baseball t-shirts, kids stuff like shirts, hoodies, onesies for babies, wall art, 
notebooks, mugs, pillows, everything. So if you want to slap our logo on whatever it is you want, it's available there pretty much. But Josh, if I wanted them on a speedo, then you that'd probably have to be a custom job. Uh, I guess uh, you can uh, hook us up with that, since you probably already have some. So, All American Spook Show banana hammocks, <laughs> and it says street trash on the ass. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm sorry, it says junk hole on the ass. Junk hole. <laughs> <laughs> Never more appropriate than that. Yeah. <laughs> Which we, we may or may not have a design uh, with junk hole in mind, for, uh, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> um, Trademark pending. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. There's already a lot of people jumping on that junk hole. Yeah. Trademarking. Trademarking. Now they can um, have it. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Not yet. Not quite available. Oh, yeah. Yet, yeah. But hopefully soon. 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 The junk hole is coming. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so I guess with that being said, we'll uh, you know now that we've got all the preamble out of the way, I guess we will toss to the trailer for Rob Zombie's modern cult classic, House of a Thousand Corpses. Howdy, folks! You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. <laughs> the boogeyman is real. <laughs> and you found him. From director Rob Zombie <laughs> comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! All right, so that was the trailer for House of a Thousand Corpses. This is one that we've all seen before. This doesn't always happen on the podcast. Mainly that's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Usually he's the hang-up, but this time this is one that he's seen a number of times. So, <laughs> um, so Will, let's go back to 2003. Yeah, when was the, yeah. the, the first time watching it? I assume you did see this in the theater, right? I don't remember whether. I uh, think I did. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, sure I, I did. Me and you were hanging out at the time, but I don't remember whether you're, uh, we went together or not. Yeah, back no, then. No, but, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I saw this at the theaters, and then and then on top of that, I remember seeing like the original trailer when it was being teased. Yeah, so that that's what like I'm like a completely different movie. <laughs> That's what I'm getting to. So what were your first uh, initial thoughts on this once, you know, you're, at least that you remember when you saw it back then? 
Uh, I loved it. Uh, you know, it, I, it felt like it had like the the right amount of humor in it. You know, with Wilson and and Hardwick, Bill and uh, Jerry, Bill and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like those guys could throw out like some silly, you know, like one liners here and there. But uh, yeah, yeah, Spalding. You know, I haven't been to like very many uh, horror movie uh, conventions. I was thinking, like, if there's anybody that I think I want to go get, like, an autograph and a picture with, it's probably Sid Haig. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, from, from, from watching this and Devil's Rejects, like, like that, that dude really grabs you when he's on camera. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I truly enjoyed the movie. How about you, Smoke? Yeah, the first time I saw it was, it was 2003 when it was in theaters, but, uh, you know, being like an avid horror fan, I'd already heard about it in that whole interim period. That I know mm-hmm. we'll discuss a little later as far as it talk about the movie being as far back as hell it could have been ninety eight or ninety nine when he talked when there was mention of Rob Zombies, you know, doing a movie. And then of it shooting in two thousand and everything. And then three long years later when it finally came out mm-hmm. and all the hype and everything on it, my my initial reaction to seeing it in the theater was actually I was disappointed because of the hype, because I was you're hearing all this stuff leading up to it just three years later, it comes out different things going on when you're here in like universal like didn't want to put it out because it's too graphic or you know you so you're kind of expecting all of this onslaught of depravity and gore and splatter and all that and it does deliver on some of that but i guess i was it was hyped up more for me over the course of those three years so i had more of an appreciation of it seeing it in subsequent times after that i think i kind of uh fall in between both of you like i i I remember all the hype and all that stuff. And, and like, I think we mentioned uh, in the last show where, like, I, I worked in a movie theater at the, uh, back 99, 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. And uh, I remember seeing the, uh, that initial trailer, like Willie mentioned, that, you know, really yeah. didn't like really didn't feel like it had anything to do with the movie. But, yeah, the, the hype and everything, and then it kind of delivering on that, you know, it, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. So I think that's kind of where I fell even back then kind of in between the both of you. I, I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But as to whether it lived up to that, almost, that hype, yeah, that hype, or almost, almost that yeah. legendary, like, damn, this yeah. is going to be messed up. You know? Yeah. So you're like, eh, it's, not, it's messed up, but it's not quite as messed up as I was thinking, but whatever. <laughs> you know? little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't hate it by any means. No, Whereas, no. you know, we talked about the polarization of whenever reviews started hitting the internet at that time, or papers, magazines, whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did love it, and then the people that hated it blasted it for... Uh, and if you go on IMDb, you'll see interviews, I mean, the reviews that go all the way back to when it you know, opened in 2003. Yeah. That just blasting it for being, you know, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I mean, if you think that's the worst movie you've ever seen, then you ne- have not seen enough movies, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go see a few more. Because <laughs> yes, whatever you want to throw at it, you can't say that it's you know, it doesn't have like the worst acting ever or the worst plot, even if the plot is a little bit threadbare to get from point A to point B to point C. It's still, it's not the worst movie that's ever made. No, no. There's definitely some exaggeration going on there with some of the reviews of negative ones. And there are a few uh, wooden performances, but I wouldn't necessarily yeah, yeah. say it was some bad ones. No, and it kind of fits with the theme he was going for is that, that grind house exploitation feel, you know, which in the 70s, they... A lot of those people coming up as actors at that time weren't n- known actors. You know, they weren't the greatest of actors and everything. So I think it kind of yeah. plays in with some of that, too. 
And as I'm watching this, it definitely felt like a like a love letter to like older horror horror films. True. Yes. And I think that's what people don't get either. If you're coming at it from at that time of being whatever new mainstream movie was out, that time was the beginning of the the remakes were like hitting hard right at that time. I think those I think those things that y'all just pointed out about it being a love letter and just having that feel, I think that's a big reason why people still enjoy this movie to this day. Because that's exactly what it is. It's an ode to Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre and, uh, yep. you know, a lot of those movies that came out in the late 70s, early 80s. And that's, that's the only, conversely, that's the reason why some people hate it still, too, is because if you're not that much into horror or if you're just surface level as far as Scream was out or Scream 2 was out or True. maybe you saw this or that, then you might not enjoy it that much going into Or you might not, if you aren't a fan of Rob Zombie's music, that kind of helps because... Mm. A lot of it is built that way, especially in this one, more so than Devil's Reject. It's kind of built almost as if it's a extended Rob Zombie music video in a way, you know, certain scenes. There was one article that I wrote, or not wrote, good Lord. There was, <laughs> there was one article that I read, you know, in my uh, research for this show. And it was talking, about, it was an article from, uh, it was a paper or something or a website in the UK. And this was well after the movie had been out here for a little while. And then it eventually opened up over there. Yeah. And uh, they were speculating as to whether or not it would be successful over there because nobody really gives a rat's ass about Rob Zombie over there, apparently. Ah. Like, you know, here he's almost, you know, even at that point, because of White Zombie and his music, mm-hmm. you know, his, his first album or two had come out by then. He's already, a, you know, a rock legend here. But over there, they're just yeah. like, yeah, he's, he's just another dude from America. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't get it quite as much as yeah. you know so they were wondering whether it would be successful or not but i think it definitely helped it here and it has helped it to this day be what oh, it yeah. is i think you know yeah um, because yeah, it's not pretty much guaranteed. if you're a fan of rob zombie's music and you had never seen the movies you're gonna like the movie i mean you you're sorry probably more or than it, likely are or it's at least gonna pique your interest and if you know anything about rob zombie it's gonna pique your interest enough yeah. to say well this dude directed a movie i gotta see this you know <laughs> Yeah, and if nothing more, you're gonna have Rob Zombie songs in it periodically yeah. throughout it. You know, so. And I, and I'm sure we'll mention this, you know, once we get into it here. But like, I'm not generally a big uh, soundtrack guy, you know, as far as buying soundtracks. Um, this one I did, and I and I still listen to this one every once in a while. Um, oh yeah, same here. It, it's a damn good soundtrack. Once again, as long as you like Rob Zombie music. <laughs> If you don't, if yeah. you don't, it may that not be helps. for you. <laughs> Which the whole movie, like I said, again, that's that polarization thing there with the reviews. If, if you didn't like his music at all, and you're not that big of a fan into, you know, getting deeper into horror as far as the cult classics and where they came from, then you're probably not going to get that much enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Or you're going to just think it's an exercise in extreme graphic violence and that it's the lowest form of, you know, cinema that there is, which is a lot of reviews you'll see on IMDb or that, you know, one-star reviews saying yeah. that about it. And, of course, overpraise, too. There's a lot of 10-star reviews. I mean, you know, IMDb being 1 to 10. Well, you you uh, get that sometimes, and, and this is all, once again, opinions. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they say, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's subjective, right? I mean, these kind of things oh, yeah. are subjective. You, you're going to get the same thing out of almost every movie that we've, you know, talked about on this podcast so far. Mm. Suspiria, you know, Will didn't like it all that much, but, you know, we love it because it is what it is, right? You know, it's kind of a standard bearer. It's one of the, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's one of the ones like 
hardcore yeah. horror fans generally love this movie. Return of the Living Dead, same thing. You know, like yeah. street trash even. Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. You're going to get that a lot where, you know, it's completely subjective. Some people are going to shit on it yeah. and some people are going to love it. And, and, and put them on a, a their Mount Rushmore. Then yeah. other people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Street trash. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, some maybe age and things have to do with it, too. Like, when you saw something, like... True. You take somebody who's, like, 20 years old and who's only used to seeing the movies that are out right now, and then you show them street trash, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this old shit that's, that doesn't make any sense? It's, you know... <laughs> yeah, like, my, my mom, for instance... She's told me that like one of the uh, uh, scariest movies she ever saw, when she, you know, once again, it's when she saw it because she saw this when she was a kid, was uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, and it's, okay. ba- and it's basically because of that one scene where the head rolls down the steps. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when she sees this in the '60s, like this is horrifying, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But now it's just like, what the what the hell's so scary about this movie? It's just Betty Davis acting weird. That's know? true. Yeah, it is a uh, sort of a. Uh progression of images i mean you go back to the silent era people were truly terrified of frank of like a uh, phantom at the opera or coming mm-hmm. to the silent silent i mean not the silent coming to the sound age and frankenstein bride of frankenstein but they were actually terrified by those movies oh yeah time. sure yeah you know so Hell, and, oh, we're all, all, and we're all still terrified of the uh the dude that plays nosferatu in that old oh yeah that old, <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> That's still like to this day one yeah. of those terrifying vampires, Definitely. like you know, as far as image wise. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's, and you can see it being used through the years too. Like that yeah. was the first time that that was portrayed that way. There, then there was Salem's Lot, which yeah, used yep. the same reference. Pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, you know, movies uh, dumb it down compared to that as far as look. Oh yeah, yeah. Far yeah, they went for the more. Terrifying. I guess you'd call it the sexy vampire kind of thing, yeah. that went, which wasn't the way it was in the novel. Yeah, the way in the novel yeah. is kind of closer to way to what Nosferatu was, with him being this ghoul, ghoul, yeah, terrifying yeah. creature. And, All right, so with that, I guess we'll uh, start going into the uh, the ins and outs and behind the scenes of House of a Thousand Corpses. This movie was finally released on April eleventh, two thousand three. Now, from like I said, from my research, it looks like it was filmed. Uh, on or somewhere between May 14th and August 20th of 2000. So it took it three years. Little, well, a little less than three years, I guess, to finally come out. Um, from what I could find, it said that the idea or the concept of the movie um, came from, obviously from Rob Zombie. He's the writer-director. This is his baby. But he got the idea when he was designing a haunted house for uh, Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. And I think like 98 or 99 or something, he gets this idea to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And then he basically kind of whips it together and uh, takes it to Universal. And since they're kind of working in hand in hand with them on this uh, Halloween Horror Nights maze or whatever it was he had designed. Well, OK, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll back it. We'll do it. So they decided to do it. And I also saw some conflicting reports about what the budget was. I've read that I, think it was I saw eight. seven million. Is that what you saw too? Well, I, or... I read uh, that uh, somewhere that they said the budget was only three or four million. Mm. And then there, then there was another interview that I re- read that he said that basically the the budget was around three or four million, and that he shot the whole movie, and then waited until the end of the movie, shot an ending because he didn't go back and ask for any money. 
And he <laughs> shot, he basically shot the whole movie, waited until he shot an ending, and he basically purposely shot a shitty ending. So, <laughs> so then he could go back and say, look, I need more money to, to finish this movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, we agree. And like, this ending sucks. So then they give him more money, and then he's able... <laughs> then he's able to go back and film the ending and do other things that he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, even though this was his first time directing, he knew how to kind of work the system. It sounded work like, system. and, and it's, it did sound like he, he kind of got, he, he kind of knew how to play them a little bit because he'd had so much experience with the music industry in the same ways, True, you yeah. know, so they're not all together too different in that regard, I guess. Um, so yeah, they give him more money and he's able to film it. Or finish filming it. And uh, so, like I said, they, they filmed it in somewhere between May and August of 2000. And uh, also, before I continue on to the little story about that, um, the house, I don't know if you guys saw this anywhere, but the house that they filmed it in, it's the same house from that movie, The Best Little Whore House in Texas. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah and which I guess the question they could have called it, or that could have been their tagline. Maybe it was like, uh, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses, the best little slaughterhouse in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apparently, this was on like the Universal lot in California, is where you know most of this was shot. Um, so they film it, they, they do all that, blah blah blah, and I guess it's you know they're still working on it. And then, from what I can tell, basically, Columbine happened and nine eleven happened. So everybody's kind of on edge about violence and stuff like this, you know, around the time that I guess they're working on it. So, and also while they're working on, it, I think another delay they had was the fact that the movie that it was shot in the best little whorehouse house. And that was one of the locations that the universal studios tram tour went to and universal refused to stop the tram tours. So they, you know, would take them longer to shoot because here's <laughs> another tram of people and then they'd have to stop shooting if they were doing exteriors or whatever, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I did see something about. Players. I saw something about that, and it was a pain in the ass. That was a pain <laughs> in the ass on that. I'm sure it was, but to just have a tour come through your uh, movie shoot <laughs> at all times. Um, but basically, because the, I guess the temperature in the room is a little low on violence and stuff at this at this mm -hmm. juncture, right at this time, Universal basically just says like, "Yeah, this movie is." They said someone said that it was too nihilistic, so they shelved it. Yeah, I guess Universal was like, "Well, you know, it's got you know." Necrophilia, masturbation, necrophilic masturbation, graphic violence. Yeah, we can't. We're not touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this climate, we're not doing this. Yeah. Um, which also around the same time, they said apparently in 2000, at Halloween of 2000, like I guess right after he's done shooting this, he's, he's working on another uh, Halloween Horror Night, like Maze or whatever, an attraction. And mm. basically the whole thing was House of a Thousand Corpses. But because they showed the movie, they couldn't continue that way. So they renamed it American Nightmare, you know, <laughs> I guess by Rob Zombie or something like that. But they said basically as you walk through it, it was just like walking through House of a Thousand Corpses. They said they even had like clips of the actors of, from the movie, like talking on like TV screens and stuff as you're walking through this attraction. <laughs> so basically it's a House of a Thousand Corpses. But they didn't want yeah. to call it that. But apparently uh, Universal comes, uh, I guess they want to put it on the shelf. But they didn't, I guess they didn't want to be complete dickholes about it and not let him release this at all. So I guess they basically let him have the rights to shop the movie. So he yeah, shopped, I saw read something about him buying. He had to buy it back, I think. From maybe, maybe that's what it was. I can't remember. But, you know, they, 
basically they were like, yeah, we could put this in the vault and no one ever sees it, you know, and it just becomes <laughs> the stuff of legend or, you know, we could do this. So I guess they probably worked something out where he could shop it. However, that went down, he either bought it or they let it, whatever, you know, I'm sure they got something for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't just walk away after giving all that money. I'm sure he had to pay something. Um, so apparently he shops around and MGM picks it up and it looks like everything's going good. And then apparently he was on MTV. You know, this was when I guess MTV was still music oriented at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so he's on MTV doing uh, an interview. And I think they said it was Ben Affleck or somebody. I think it was Ben Affleck. And they were talking about like, hey, is this movie ever going to see the light of day? He's like, yeah, MGM picked it up uh, when Universal dropped it because apparently they uh, they have morals over there you know it's kind of joking they have morals but but mgm doesn't have any morals so they're going to release it so then right after, apparently like a week after that they dropped them they wouldn't release it and then it basically sat on the shelf uh best i can tell at least around that time period about another year and a half before i guess Lionsgate films finally comes along they pick it up and then we finally got to see it in april of 2003 so best i could tell that's that was the story as to why yeah. Yeah. you know it basically sat there and collecting dust for three years before we finally got to see it <laughs> yeah. so during all the, like three long years of waiting for it to come out and again like mentioning before of the uh anticipation and hype on yep. it <laughs> yep gestation Which, of three years like really was putting it up there in my mind like how massive this you know was going to be which in hindsight kind of, in hindsight probably accidentally kind of helped it right i mean yeah I'm oh sure. yeah. yeah i think it did yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of people who were like, damn, you know, this yeah. is this is going to be messed up. I got to go see this, <laughs> yeah. you know, because of that. And and it's opening weekend. It made three point four million, a little over three point four million. And then I guess it grossed twelve point six million, you know, in the United States. So it did pretty well. I mean, not cra- definitely not crazy for, uh, you know, movie standards. That's probably barely nothing. But. I mean, for a for a movie with an estimated budget of seven million, depending yeah. on who you listen to, that's you know that's pretty kind of, give or take double the money, so that's not bad. Yeah. And also, I, I'd seen something where like basically they took it on and uh, with the agreement that he would uh, make some uh, edits because apparently the original cut had a uh, a rating of like NC seventeen. And that's the cut I was wanting to. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that is, wasn't going to get released in the theater, but that would, but, ideally for me, that would have been the cut I'd like to see. Like, you know, fuck the system, we're going to put it out in C-17 the way Romero did with, you know, Dawn and Day. Of course, those movies didn't make any money in the theater when Romero put them out, so I knew that wasn't going to happen. But from, <laughs> but from what I read, once again, it sounded like the cut, the NC-17 cut, didn't necessarily have that much more violence in it. Yes, it, there was probably more violence, but it sounds like it, it, there was more characters in it apparently. Yeah. And uh, they said there were more scenes of the uh, road trip, you know, that Bill and Jerry and yeah. the girls are taking. Yeah. Apparently there was a little bit more story to do with that that they cut out. But I think basically what they did is, it, basically what he said was, from what I could read, was any scene that you saw that had violence in it, they just dialed it down a little. Yeah, so they probably took a little bit out just to, you know... Yeah, just trimmed it. Yeah, they just trimmed it just enough to knock it down to, you know, I guess to an acceptable level. But yeah, it doesn't sound like it, it was still a... Be- yeah, the, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but I guess it depends on the intensity of certain scenes. Like, if yeah. they took out 30 seconds here of more extreme, I guess, in the overall big picture, it would make it, you know, like, yeah, we can't, we definitely can't show this in an R-rated yeah. movie at that yeah. time, which I mean, it might even pass today's standards of R-ratings have definitely gone 
a little bit more lenient towards gore and graphic violence now than they were mm. probably even in 2003. Certainly more than they were in the 80s. So best I can, you know, that's just from my little bit of research. That's kind of the backstory of all that and, uh, you know, and all the other little informa- information there. So with that, it stars Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding, a now classic movie character or horror <laughs> icon, right? Captain Spaulding. Yeah. Even though I'd say in this movie he's not necessarily uh, – He's not necessarily a focal point of the movie, True. but he's he's got a big part in it for sure. You probably one of the most memorable it. parts. Like you know, thinking back on when I first saw it in yeah. the theater, even though he wasn't in it screen time wise as much, he had some of the most memorable lines, of course. Especially in the first yeah. first uh, what ten minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, in the in the uh, his gasoline and fried chicken. Yeah, rides for it. Yeah, one of my favorite things, uh, especially with the DVD on this, is just popping it in and, and then letting uh, Captain yeah. Spaulding just kind of go off. Yeah. Are you going to choose or what? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of the other random things that I'd read, too, is that apparently he didn't, uh, Rob Zombie didn't necessarily, it's not like he wrote the part for Sid Haig, but he didn't necessarily know how big that character and that and all and how well that was going to go. And yeah. He said, if he had known that, he would have wrote him. He would have put him in it more. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's been the story of Sid Haig's theatrical, you know, filmography. Pretty much, is people put him in there a little bit here and a little bit there, and he ends up being one of the more memorable parts of those movies and things he was in. <laughs> but like I like using him more about time to get the Devil's Reject. Like Will said earlier, he definitely catches your attention. Yeah, when he's on. Oh, you know, he's you're looking. You know, you're paying. Att- you're paying a little bit more attention. Yeah. When he's yeah. on, you know. Yeah, that and, dude has flat out charisma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and another and the other standout from this movie, uh, Bill Mosley as Otis. I guess it's Otis. Otis, Drift, Otis Driftwood or something like that, but it's Otis. Otis Driftwood. Yeah. Um, probably two in my opinion, probably two of the best acted parts, I guess you could I don't know exactly how to put it in, in horror history. I mean those oh, yeah. those yeah. those two roles for those two dudes fit perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they're iconic. Iconic today th- through The Devil's Rejects and now, yeah. you know, Three from Hell, I'm sure they're going to do awesome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, th- it's like those those two roles were like career-defining for these two guys. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And anybody out there who hasn't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 yet, but you happen to love House of Thousand Corpses and Devil Rejects, then you definitely need to check it out because Otis's character, and, and I'm sure this was on purpose of, you know, Rob Zombie was, of him, he's kind of like his Chop Top character and. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, it's almost just a play off of that. Yeah, and he, he even looks familiar, you know, just yeah. so... Speaking the, style somewhat, you know? Yeah, the pale look, yeah. you know, it's very similar. Yeah, but yeah that, that's pretty much his other... I would say that's probably his other iconic role, right? Like, he's known as Otis yeah. and, and Chop Top from... Chop Top, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That was when I first came across him. I mean, he might have done some more movies that I hadn't seen necessarily in eighty. Six, whenever Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 came out, but when that came out, that's what put him on yeah. my radar as far as knowing who Bill Mosley was. Yeah, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it here, and he actually has on IMDb, he has 123 acting credits, so he's been in a yeah. ton of shit. Yeah. But, but the two things you're probably going to remember him most are from those two, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Another one uh, I remember from early 90s, I remember him in, you know, specifically was uh, anybody wasn't in it that long was Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead. He was, uh, he was in that as uh, Johnny. It also stars. Rob Zombie's wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, as Baby Firefly. 
that's another thing I'll mention too is that I don't know if they I don't think they ever actually come right out and say it, but this is known as the Firefly family, which I, I guess maybe they mentioned that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's some mention that, but I don't think they not a whole lot of times. I do remember hearing it in the movie at some point. Maybe, or maybe I'm just thinking of Devil's Rejects, or maybe like they made a big a bigger deal out of that. I, I don't yeah. recall. It's been honestly, it's been a while since I uh, saw the Devil's Rejects too. But um, yeah, yeah, me too. Actually, it's been a little bit. Which, like we mentioned, yeah, I know, but that's mentioned all over there because of the news reports, the Firefly family, and this and that, yeah, and yeah, yeah, all over Devil's Rejects. But my, I think it was mentioned maybe, if maybe once or twice, in yeah. also their last name, yeah. Um, which, like, like I said, we mentioned uh, before, we will get around to the Devil's Rejects before um, Three from Hell comes out later this year in 2019. So, yeah. so yeah, Rob Zombie's wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, is baby Firefly. So. These are probably the three biggest from this movie, like because you know they carry over to Devil's Rejects. That's your main three. That's your trinity, right? Those three. Yeah. Captain yeah. Spaulding, Otis, and Baby. Which I, I mean, I don't think I've seen her in anything. I'm sure she's been. Has she ever been in anything other than the stuff that Rob Zombie did since since that movie? You mean? I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure she's been in maybe anything. She, I know not before. Because I, I, I do remember seeing that that was her her of course acting debut. I, I mean, if you don't count necessarily. Music, Rob Zombie music videos and things, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I, and I remember her from a couple of his videos yeah. back from back in the day. So, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it here. It looks like, yeah, she pretty much hasn't done much else other than stuff with him. Yeah, she was in a movie called Toolbox Murders. Oh, yeah, the remake. Yeah, that, I, yeah, I remember from seeing that. Yeah, that was actually... from 2004. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to go into Toolbox Murders, but a weird thing about that was that it was the original Toolbox Murders from the 70s was kind of a somewhat of a ripoff, not storyline-wise, but the fact that it's tools and slasher movies was sort of a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, at least in yeah. title. Then, and when that movie came out, the remake, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper, directed the Toolbox Murders remake, which is just kind of strange. <laughs> he directed the remake of the movie that ripped his movie off. It looks like she was also in a random episode of uh, Californication, that TV show, I think it was on Showtime or HBO or something. And then uh, uh, another uh, random episode of CSI Miami. But other than that, it looks like pretty much everything has had something to do with Rob Zombie. Okay. And hell, for all I know, he might have had a hand in those two episodes she played in. <laughs> Could have. Know, in those shows, for all I know. But yeah. yeah. But either way, my point, my original point on that was that she, I think she does a hell of a job in this movie of acting like a, a crazy ass. <laughs> you know, she's got crazy down, is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in a couple of scenes, uh, more than a couple, but t- at least two come to mind right away that we'll get into later. Um, yeah, and her laugh in, in, in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. creepy. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the ones I was going to point out. Yeah, the laugh, but one specific scene in particular. It also <laughs> stars uh, Karen Black as Mother Firefly. Horror uh, veteran right there. <laughs> yeah, well, she's been in a ton of stuff, and uh, she actually has passed away since mm-hmm. in the years since um she died of uh, some type of cancer or something i believe i i remember looking it up and then it just kind of skips my mind she died in august of 2013 so mm-hmm. a handful of years back um and she also wasn't in devil's rejects so I, I couldn't really find much about like why exactly that was but they recast her role and it had something rejects. to do i believe with her contract her salary contract i mean i, I don't know if she, i don't know for 100 sure if it was something where she wanted more money for it mm-hmm. or not, I'm not sure exactly what the specifics were, but it had something to do with with that. Or regardless, with I, think salary. She, I think she does a good job of uh, being once again just like Sherry uh, Moon Zombie, crazy as shit. But yeah, she's got that down. But oh yeah, I guess 
she's best known for uh, Five Easy Pieces, that movie back in 1970. Yeah, Jack yeah. Because yeah. I think she actually won a, an Emmy or an Oscar or something like that for that when I was looking at it the other day. But yeah, I'd say, you know, that's probably what she's best known for. Yeah, yeah here it is. She died of uh, ancillary cancer. Yeah, she got a, an Academy Award nomination and a Golden Globe win for Five Easy Pieces. And I know also, one of the early movies that I remember in <laughs> most was a uh, you know, Trilogy of Terror. Have you ever seen that one? The Zuni oh, Fetish yeah. Doll episode? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll, we got to do that one at some oh, point. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. I know we will do that one at some point. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Um, she, a ton of stuff. I mean, like, you know, before she died, she, uh, according to IMDb, she has 202 credits acting credit so yeah she did a lot of stuff just about every tv show you can think of in the 70s and 80s she probably had a role in it and it also stars dennis fimple as grandpa hugo which is kind of a which is kind of a small part but he actually died um before this movie got released he died in uh or no actually yeah, yeah it was before it got released he died in august of 2002 so before this movie actually saw the light of day he passed away so there is like i think at the uh in the credits there's a you know in memoriam of him, I think, um, he was a little, I think he was a little under the weather of some sort whenever they were shooting it, which is why he was sitting down in most of his scenes. Mm-hmm. But he didn't die from that, like he died from a car accident, I believe. Yeah, that's what I read, at least on IMDb. Like, you know, it shows like the main parts that a, a, an actor is known for. Uh, the, fo- the four main credits for him were House of Thousand Corpses, Maverick, and oh, yeah, <laughs> and 1976 King Kong. Yeah, Maverick, he, I definitely remember him. I, I don't remember him. I can't remember his role right now in King it Kong. Said, it says in King Kong he was Sunfish, but man, that, good Lord, I, it's been forever yeah. since I saw that version of King Kong, so I have no idea. Yeah. So yeah, that, those are probably like the main ones. Now, there are some other ones that were in this movie that became bigger actors later on, like we mentioned earlier. Rain Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, played in this. Uh, Chris Hardwick, um, that uh, is the host of what, like The Talking Dead now. Um, yeah. He's like the he's like the kingpin of nerdist, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. he was. It's been sold. Or he now. was. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, his new podcast is uh, ID10T. I think one of the one of the first times I remember him uh, seeing him, well, other than this, obviously, but you, you know, you weren't thinking about it back then. But he was on that. Uh, remember that channel G4 that was like a video game channel, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, kind yeah. of a pop culture channel. Like he was one of the hosts on there, right? On one of those shows, or like a correspondent yeah. or something. I remember seeing him a lot. Wasn't it an Attack of the Show? Yeah, that show, Attack of the Show. And I, there might have been something else that he did on there. But yeah, I remember him from that. So that's a while back. Well, I think uh, even before that, like, I think he was on Singled Out in, uh, on MTV. Yeah, so he's been around. He's been around the block. I can't think of, uh, you know, I, well, I'll point out some other people, you know, as we go along here, some people that have been in some other stuff. But I think that's most of your stars right there, you know, and then uh, the couple of girls that played like the girlfriends that had big roles in it. But I don't think they really did much else other than this. So I guess before we get into the blow by blow, you guys got anything to add about it? Just with it being universal shelving it. And then could you imagine what, like, what we're talking about, too, is if, if he wasn't able to buy it back and if it so, you know, went into the quote unquote universal vault and didn't come out for like another, you know, or still maybe we didn't come out to this point and then how that legendary that would build on that and then the hype on that if it were released today <laughs> oh, yeah, by, by this point it would be like uh, <laughs> uh, Chinese democracy uh, Guns N' Roses you know? yes. <laughs> it could it could never possibly live up no to never live hype. up to that hype. and then it would just be today it would probably be laughed at now if it had been that many years like oh, we waited absolutely. this long for you know, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> and that's not any detriment to any of the actors in that movie because I love all of them pretty much like 
Mosley, Haig, Karen Black, and everybody did a good job of that movie. And it's just, uh, you know, it was just that hype. That's the only thing I could say for it. For me, the only reason I mentioned why it was a slight disappointment for me when I first saw it was the buildup of three years of hype. So it took a few more watches after that, too. But you know what? That actually, this movie was based, uh, not based, but very much influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. one of the huge influences on Rob Zombie when he made it. Oh, and when I first saw Texas Chainsaw, I was a little bit disappointed because I didn't see it until a little bit later down the road. None of the video stores had, like, they, they, it was either always out or it was damaged or nobody returned it or something. So it took me a while, a number, a few years of hearing about Texas Chainsaw before I finally saw it. And when I saw it, and if you, you know, you've seen it, then you kind of, ex- you build this stuff up in your head as far as how it's going to be really graphic. It's chainsaws, you know, sawing people up and everything. And then you watch it. And it's very much not that, like, the gore is very subdued for Texas Chainsaw. It's, it's all sort of, you know, in your head. You kind of complete well, what is happening. You know. I've always said that about the original Texas Chainsaw, is that it's not nearly as gory as you would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's implied, I think. Just in the yes, title yes. alone, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you think body parts and blood are going to be flying everywhere. But that that's being, not the case. That being said, there are a couple of pretty brutal scenes in there. Oh, yeah. Nothing... Yeah, nothing Nothing overtly like it's not gross. Yeah, you yeah. know, o- at least overly gross. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. it, it's definitely not as uh, gory as you would think it is. Yeah. Uh, hold on yeah, a second. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I think a lot of like a lot of your better horror movies, especially older, uh, kind of like fall into that vein of you think you see more than you actually see. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, like in, in Psycho, you never see the girl get stabbed. No, uh, it's all the editing. Like, like it's all shadows and editing. And your mind uh, does complete that image of the knife. Oh, absolutely. You know, piercing her and everything. I mean, you feel it. You feel her. You feel the stabs yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm watching, but oh, you yeah. don't even see anything other than, yeah, like I said, the yeah, shadow, the lights, the blood hitting, or chocolate syrup. They were using the bathtub. Yeah, it's not like sitting there and watching like Hostel or anything like you know yeah. that we see today. Like like you know, clearly guys back then really knew what they were doing. But that oh, is all. But that is also the work of a master, an Alfred oh, Hitchcock. You know, I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> not just a horror master either, like a, a fucking oh, cinema yeah. master. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, I guess with all that being said, we'll uh, we'll actually get into the movie itself. So it starts with. Uh, like a, a TV program called Dr. Wolfenstein's Creature Feature Show. You see like a little clip of this, uh, I guess it's like a movie marathon, like host, right? Dr. Wolfenstein. Like a horror host show? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then it cuts to a commercial of Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. He says, you like blood, violence, freaks of nature? <laughs> Come on down to Captain Spaulding. Take home some my some of my tasty fried chicken. It just tastes so damn good. <laughs> and that right away, then you, that opening was like just that was awesome. I mean, that's yeah. straight up Rob Zombie. Like if you coming to you know coming from being a fan of Rob Zombie's music to that open to the movie, and you're like, well, you feel like you're home as far as yeah, yeah. as far as the connection, like, to his music it, and everything. It hits the spot right away. Yeah. Um, then it cuts to an exterior of the Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. And then there's another sign there that says fried chicken and gasoline. <laughs> um, 
then it throws up the super or, you know, on the bottom, the words October 30th, 1977. So, you know, now you're in the right frame of mind. Like, you, you know, you yeah. know when this is, you know what the feeling is going to be. Um, it also conveniently marks it as a movie to be watched around Halloween time every year, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On Halloween Eve. Yes. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So then it, it cuts to inside and Captain Spaulding is talking to Stucky. Like this kind of, I guess, like the local weirdo. He's got like glasses. He's kind of like a little, like uh, uh, I wouldn't say retard, but you know what I mean. Kind of a slow adult, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, uh, I get what you're saying. You're saying all of us country folks is <laughs> real funny, like ain't That was uh, played by Michael J. Pollard, who, from what I could tell, was known basically for like being in like every TV show of the seventies, sixties, seventies, and eighties. Yeah, and, uh, I love that guy. Like. And I, oh, yeah. I don't know why I remembered him from this, but I mean, even before I saw this, I mean, that, wasn't he also in Roxanne? The yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. It lists like the most, the things you would know him most for yeah. are Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, Tango and Cash, <laughs> which I know it doesn't necessarily fall in our purvey, but we're going to do that movie one of these days. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Scrooged. Remember he had a, uh, yeah. I think he was like the hobo that like froze to death or something like that in uh, Scrooged <laughs> and uh, Roxanne. Yeah, so he was in that. I remember when I first saw Roxanne, I rem- what I remember from it, not by name at that time I saw it, but when I saw him in Roxanne, I'm like, who is this guy? And I saw that movie when it came out, I guess, but whatever year mm-hmm. that wasn't. I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. He's very familiar to me. And then when, it finally, when I finally put it together, it was, you know, of course, this is before IMDb and the internet and all that stuff. So you kind of have to wait until you see him again in something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was an episode of Star Trek it was, of the original series. Uh, yeah. And I even remember the name was Miri. It was the episode where they come down to the planet and there's all these kids that kind of reminded me of a Children of the Corn scenario mm-hmm. where the kids don't grow up. You know, that has something to do with the adults being killed off when they, you know, when they reach a certain age and all this stuff. And I remember him, Pollard was in it as a young, you know, much younger at that time. He mm-hmm. was like 66 or seven or something. Yeah, I mean, without having having his whole like uh, acting credits here in front of me, the dude was in a ton of stuff. Has yeah. been in a ton of stuff, and uh, I guess he's still kicking around today. You know, still doing stuff here and there. But uh, so in this scene, he he's playing, or in this movie, he's playing Stucky, and in this scene, he's with Captain Spaulding, and he's telling like the story of like this this retard down the street or something that uh, he says sticks a, a pencil in his eye or something, twirls it around. <laughs> he says, "You know what she's doing? With that pencil? He's sticking it up his ass." <laughs> uh, so they're and then they go into the whole no I don't think he did that well you remember yeah, yeah. so and so he stuck the Planet of the Apes character up his ass and he got Dr. Zayas hanging halfway out his ass and they yeah. <laughs> so they have this like pretty funny back and forth and then all of a sudden two guys bust through the front door and uh, they're robbing the place and one of them the, the first robber is kind of going back and forth with, uh, with uh, Captain Spaulding uh, yeah, meanwhile, he, Michael J. Pollard's character was taking a shit, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he had went to the bathroom. I forgot to mention, he had went to the bathroom right before they busted in. So, like, <laughs> then the, he, he tells the other guy to come, like, go in there and pulls him out of the toilet. And uh, 
then the, the the second guy who's clearly you know once again like a, a you know a local idiot uh he's he's kind of uh holding the gun he's pointing the gun at captain spaulding and he says i'll blow a hole the size of a kansas city watermelon through your ugly ass bozo face <laughs> <laughs> and captain spaulding says what the fuck is that supposed to mean <laughs> <laughs> uh so then he's once again he's going back. I mean, some of the best lines of the movie, in my opinion, are like in this scene right here. Uh, and the guys and the first robber's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, you know, if you don't give me what I want, I'm gonna uh, shoot you in the face." <laughs> and then Captain Spaulding says, "I'll tell you what, Ski King, why don't you take, <laughs> why don't you take your mama home some chicken, and then I won't have to stuff my boot all all the way up in your ass." <laughs> And then, you know, back once again, back and forth. And uh, yeah, Rob, then he said something like, I don't even like chicken. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, I don't even like clowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that pissed him off. Yeah. And uh, uh, so then he says, All right, he's gonna, I'm going to count to 10. You give me the money. And he says, One. He says, One. And uh, Captain Spawn says, Fuck your mama. Then he says, Two. <laughs> he says, Fuck your sister. Then he says, Three. Fuck your grandma. Then that's when uh, Stucky over on the side with the other robber, he called, he's like, Yeah, I know who you are. Uh, uh, you're so and so, and they call you Little Dickwick. And uh, the guy's like, "No, I don't like that name." And he like pulls his mask up, and then he drops it, and then they start laughing at him. And uh, then all of a sudden, a big, a big dude with like a, a, a mask on his head, like this, this whole head, busts in with an axe and like cracks the uh, first dude upside the head. And then uh, Captain Spaulding pulls out a gun and uh, shoots the other idiot. Like in the head, that dude that pulled, that the big dude that came in with the axe, he is uh, an actor named Irwin Keys, and basically he's just known for being a, a big thug dude in like every TV show of the seventies and eighties, nineties, <laughs> and uh, a bunch of movies. And uh, he actually died back in July of twenty fifteen. But yeah, so that that's who that guy, the guy bust in. So like Captain Spaulding shoots the second guy, the guy they were calling Little Dickwick, in the head. And then he holds the pistol up to his nose and sniffs it like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then so then he goes over to the uh, the main robber, the first guy, and then he's standing over top of him. And he says, most, but most of all, fuck you. And it shoots him three times. Shoots him a, yeah. <laughs> and then you hear like it goes to black. But then you hear him say, God damn, motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit. Best clown. <laughs> <laughs> and then and the then, title. The title <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and that's the actual like House of a Thousand Corpses song that Rob Zombie did, and, and that's another cool credit sequence too. Yeah, all of that stuff is great in the movie theater too. As far as like boom, and the song comes in full on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I'd love to see this movie in a uh, in the movie theater. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time, but I'd love to see it in, like on the big screen. I mean, they got they have to be doing that somewhere. I mean, not nowhere. I guess where we're at. Actually, I don't know if the Allsbury they played it up there or not, or an sure. theater called. Oh, uh, uh, in Charlotte, there's a theater called Ayersley. Uh, Ayersley, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually during the month of October, they play uh, retro, different, uh, like two different retro movies every week uh, leading up to Halloween, which they may have done it there, but I don't recall them playing. Yeah, I don't. If if not, they need they need to. That'd be great. Uh, That would be the great double feature leading up into Halloween right there too. Would be House Thousand Courses and and uh, Devil's Rejects. A lot of the ones that they play at that at that uh, retro series or whatever, it's usually a little bit older, you know, True. ones from the seventies, eighties, oh yeah, maybe, maybe early nineties. It's usually what they play. Um, so yeah, you got the cool title sequence with the House of a Thousand Corpses song there, um, and then you're introduced to uh, Bill, which is Rain Wilson, and Jerry, which is Chris Hardwick, 
and they're driving down the road, and then they they have to get some gas. They're running low on gas, so they decide to stop at the Museum of Monsters and Mad Men because they see a billboard. It's like, all right, here we go. This this sounds like a cool place, you know, two birds with one stone. Um, I know it would draw me in. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah. Like, Real seem, men with a fishing rod. They do make it seem like it's pretty late at night, though, so I don't know if I'd be willing to pull over, like, extremely late at night in the middle of nowhere and uh, <laughs> and do everything that they did. But <laughs> then, like, when they pull up, uh, Bill's pumping gas, and Jerry goes in and then quickly comes back out and says, oh, this place looks awesome. We need to go back in here and check it out. So they wake there's two like at this point you didn't even know there's two girls in the back seat, but <laughs> now now you realize that there's their their girlfriends are sitting in the back seat and they wake them up and then they all go in, and as they walk in you're uh, you see Captain Spaulding like, mopping up the blood from you know <laughs> the robbing incident just a little while ago, and uh, then they start he starts uh, Bill starts asking him questions about the uh, the museum and like how long has he been how long has he had this place and all that? <laughs> he says, well, let me ask you one question. How come you're asking so many jackassy questions? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he explains to him that, uh, uh, he's writing a book on like roadside attractions and, you know, stuff you see when you're going down the highway across the country. And then there's like this little exchange about like, uh, you know, the stuff you well, see, when you drive across, that? <laughs> he, he's like, uh, uh, it's the stuff you see, you know, when you're driving across the country. He's like, well, I don't drive across the country, <laughs> but if you did, <laughs> but let's just suppose for a minute you did, but I don't. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he's just kind of just fucking with him, you know, back and forward. Uh, then it, it starts escalating to the point where, like, you know, Spalding is acting like he's really mad. Like, oh, you know, us uh, us country folk are real funny, like, huh, 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 you know, and all that. And then he's basically like, gotcha, ha, 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 you know, kind of, you know, releases the tension a little bit so then he tells them about this uh thing that they, they have that's called the murder ride or something so they decide to ride that and basically it's like this thing where you go through and you see like uh a little bit of the stories behind like some serial killers you know it's, it's some cheap ass little thing like you ride in a cart and you go through and you you hear these little tales. it actually doesn't have a cart though it had uh what's it, the guy R was it rj or no the guy or not rj but the guy that was pushing yeah, the cart uh, <laughs> through the murder ride <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't think of what his character name was, but yeah, that the big dude, yeah, the big axe guy with the head, yeah, he's putting yeah, the heart yeah. through. Um, Look, his shop is, is is really is really messed up, but it's very green. He was ahead of his time. The character, yeah. the character's <laughs> name was Ravelli. 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 Yeah, that's, Ravelli? that's okay. yeah, that's his character name. Okay. So he's, oh, he's yeah, RJ. This, never mind. I mentioned RJ. That's later yeah that's, that's rufus yeah yeah so yeah he's pushing him through this murder ride or whatever and he's telling all these stories and then he comes across or he eventually gets to the the main attraction i guess is the story of dr satan how there was this guy this local guy that i guess had killed and experimented on a bunch of people and that apparently there's this place called the uh dr satan tree nearby where they had hung him you know for his crimes so then they, they come out of they come out of the murder ride and they're all hyped up about this story or whatever and then uh, uh one of the girlfriends denise she decides to go over to the side and call her dad. And her dad is played by Harrison Young, who is also known from, what is it, Waxwork 2, Lost in Time, or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Apparently, like he, I guess he was the old Private Ryan in that movie. And uh, But he died not too long after this, um, or was released at least. He died in July of 2005. Yes, um, and this is, might be a time to mention the. There's some sort of supposed curse on the movie of all these people dying around the time or right before it came out or right after. <laughs> yeah. There's a handful. Yeah. 
there's a handful that have uh, passed since then. Um, so maybe there, maybe there's something to it. Who knows? <laughs> maybe they played with the devil a little too much. <laughs> or maybe as time passes, people get older and die. What? Yeah. What? No, you're ruining it. No. <laughs> yeah. You just killed the illusion. This podcast is over forever. <laughs> See, it lasted for a while and then it died. Yeah. Oh, you're right. We're part of the curse now. <laughs> it didn't have a full life. Yeah, so then it cuts to, uh, uh, like I said, the, the girlfriend Denise is calling her dad, and he's uh, he's watching like a news report on these missing these local missing cheerleaders. I couldn't I couldn't find it like in the credits or something like that. Maybe it's like this little uncredited thing, but I'm pretty damn sure that that news reporter is Bill Mosley. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, I actually did read something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I never could find anything official on that, but yeah, I'm like, man, that looks a lot like Bill Mosley. <laughs> and sounds a lot like it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not like his character, but like, yeah, like actually, you ever heard regular, him speak in like interviews regular old Bill Mosley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then it cuts to uh, Jerry. He's getting directions to uh, to the Doctor Satan tree from Captain Spaulding. He gives them some more smartassery, but he gives them directions, and they're on their way. So now uh, they're driving around trying to find this, and now the rain is pouring down outside. And uh, there's a hitchhiker on the side of the road, and it turns out to be baby they pick her up and uh she said yeah I, i'll take you to where the tree is i know where it's at so then they're going down this like you know backwater dirt road somewhere and then all of a sudden somebody's in the bushes and he shoots the tire one of the uh like the front tire something so now they're stuck so uh baby says baby says to them like don't worry uh my house is right up ahead we can walk to it we're so close and uh my brother he's got a tow truck and he can he can come pick it up and fix it like, all right, so her and baby and Bill, they go into the house. Um, that's when uh, it also cuts to the introduction of Otis. And uh, you see all the, the three missing cheerleaders that they just showed the news report of. They're all tied up, and he's kind of preaching at them, like just talking maniacal <laughs> like nonsense. Ex- existential monologue or something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> just out of nowhere. So then it cuts back, so then it cuts back to the uh, them sitting in the car waiting for the tow truck you know, to pull up, it finally shows up, scares the shit out of him. It's, it's, uh, Rufus, Rufus Firefly or RJ, whatever. I guess he's a Firefly, right? Whatever. He's part of the family in one way or the other. And, uh, I forgot what the J was for Rufus something, right? Rufus, Rufus Jr. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Whatever. The Rufus Jr. Is. Yeah. Rufus yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So he picks up the car and takes it back to the house. And meanwhile, cuts to Bill and, uh, baby, they're back at the house and they're like, they've changed their clothes and they're trying to dry off because they got soaking wet. And she's kind of like flirting with him and stuff like that. And, uh, then that's when the tow truck arrives and all the uh, others show up. But then there's these weird like uh, cutscenes and, and, and spliced in in between this of like Otis and Baby doing like you know fucked up shit. Like, I think that's the scene. <laughs> I think that's the scene where like it's basically Baby masturbating with a skeleton or something, right? Yeah. Or Corey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, one of the one of the many scenes, uh, definitely one of the ones Universal picked out is. <laughs> Because, uh, sure. nah, we can't do this. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Which I guess you could, you can't blame them for that. But, yeah, I'm sure they didn't like that. They arrive in the house, and then that's when we're introduced to Mother Firefly. She comes in, and, you know, they kind of go back and forth with her and kind of poking fun at her for being, a, you know, a country bumpkin or whatever. And then they tell them, they tell them that it's going to be a couple hours to fix the car. So then it uh, says, all right, well, you know, since you're here for a little while, you're now invited to join us for Halloween Eve dinner. And, they, and they're all sitting around at this table and they have to wear these weird, like, paper mache masks uh, while they're eating and stuff. And uh, uh, then you're introduced to Tiny Firefly, which is obviously an ironic name because the dude's, like, eight foot tall. 
uh, he comes in with like a, a like a, a leather mask or some shit on, you know, and and, and then they kind of tell the story of like, yeah, basically his uh, his daddy came in and tried to burn him alive, so you know he's all scarred up from this, and that's why he wears the mask and stuff. Then it cuts to baby upstairs in the house. She's like getting uh, her makeup on or something, and she's bitching at one of the cheerleaders or whatever that's tied up on the bed. And then it cuts to another one just laying beside her, dead in the bed, and it zooms in on her, you know, like dead eyes and all that. It's, you know, so. Pretty messed up little scene. Um, By the way, I, w- I want to point out in this house, you can't hear anything in the next room. Oh, apparently not. No, like, mm. like, like they they soundproof the hell out of this house. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was the best little whorehouse in Texas before that, so they didn't want to have all the moans and screams and get wondering. You know, that's a good. That's a really good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I thought that would help set the mood for the other people. <laughs> that's true. Maybe. It could be. <laughs> We got the necrophili- necrophiliac masturbation in this room, if you'd like. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm here for. Okay. <laughs> that's what I bring that on you. Yeah. We got the junk if hole over here. <laughs> if these walls could talk. <laughs> that's a really weird turn on that only a few people could uh, get off on, but that's me. <laughs> um, now we're introduced to Grandpa Hugo, who comes in and uh, he's sitting there uh, at the table and uh, one of the girls had to put her mask on. He was like, hurry, put that damn mask on. She won't let us have dessert if you're not wearing it. <laughs> and he puts it back and down. The, yeah, and then, then, the, then the smug snotty bitch finally puts the mask on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's when we are, uh, I guess, properly introduced to Otis because he comes walking in. And uh, he's carrying like a little jar with a, a, a baby in it or something. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it was one of the the aborted fireflies or something. I don't know. Yeah, I guess God knows. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me of a, a a line from a little bit later on in the movie, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Um, so uh, then Grandpa Hugo is sitting there and he says to Jerry, uh, "Oh, oh!" And Jerry's asking questions about like, "So is this Doctor Satan thing real or whatever?" And and they're kind of brushing it off a little bit. He's like, "Well, there's got to be something real about it, right? I mean, it's got to at least be based on some kind of truth." And then Grandpa Hugo says, what are you, Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter for the Daily Asshole? <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in the movie, for some reason. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, that might be a good time to mention, too. I, it seems like I had seen something in my research that apparently, like, I guess one of the original concepts was mm-hmm. for Grandpa Hugo to eventually be like revealed as Dr. Satan. But I guess they got oh. to doing things, and they just decided to change it up a little bit, and you, you know, this is what we see. That that would be the big reveal, I guess, toward the end or something. Oh. So then, like, Otis is, once again, is existential, you know, ins- maniac shit he's spouting. And then, and then he, he, he says, uh, you're too stupid to realize that you've got a demon sticking out of your ass, singing, holy Miss Moly, got me a live one. And then they all just laugh, like, this is the funniest thing they've ever heard. <laughs> and they're all just looking around like, what the fuck? You know, so then it says, and then Grandpa stands up and says, all right, dinner's over, it's showtime. And then it cuts to this, like, which I thought was a cool little, like, bump right before they did that. They show, like, some yeah. old, like, drive-in movie. It's showtime, like, uh, you know. Yeah, drive-in scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thing. They go to the concession stand thing type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's that. And then, and then it's uh, Grandpa Hugo doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> and he's just randomly spouting things like, eat your wife's pussy. And screaming to the top of his lungs. Stop screaming. You're going to wake up grandma. <laughs> Rugged um, improv is, I believe, what they call it. I guess, yeah. <laughs> just, say, just say the most foul shit you can think of. And 
<laughs> get get a couple of people to laugh and everybody else is going to be offended. So then it cuts to, uh, he's like, all right, now time for the, the main attraction. And then baby comes out and she's singing like some old ass, like 1920s, 1930s song. I can't remember. Like, I want to be loved by you or something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's singing that. And then she eventually like, you know, she's going person to person kind of messing around with him. And then she comes and sits on Bill's lap and uh, Jennifer's girlfriend pushes her off. And then baby says, you fucking bitch. And then pulls a switchblade out on her. I'm going to cut your tits off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to cut your fucking tits off and shove them up your ass or whatever she says. <laughs> and then that's when uh, uh, Rufus busts into the door. So, all right, the car is done. They're like, thank God we can leave. And then that's what I was referring to earlier, is, uh, talking about, like, the craziness of Baby and Mother Firefly, too. When they just stand there and laugh at each other for f- two full minutes. You know, like, <laughs> after, like, you know, the car is done and they leave. Like, I love you, Mother. I love you, too. <laughs> for, like, a full minute. <laughs> Yeah, just, with, to, just to mother, get that uncomfortable factor up there. Like, with mother and baby, like it makes sense for them to, you know, like be crying and act childish because it, you know, they're they're insane. Yeah, but obviously. Yeah. I, I thought I thought the, the the two girlfriends in this played this like almost as children. Definitely. Yeah. It's almost like they wanted to come off as like being older, and like I uh, I read my uh, research that it sounded like that's kind of what he was aiming for. He didn't want them to be teenagers. Yeah, he wanted them to be a little bit older. But yeah. they they don't act like the, the guys kind of do, you know, other than uh, Chris Hardwick's character kind of being a goofball. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, yeah, they de- the girls definitely come off more like teenagers yeah. than, they do, than they do, you know, say 25, 30-year-olds, whatever they're supposed to do or are supposed to be. Like her continually calling her dad, wanting to call her dad, like, you know, to let, her, to let him know where they're at and stuff like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's more of a teenager move than it is a... <laughs> An adult movie, twenty something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And taking the bait from baby, and I, I, I don't know. It, it just it just very childish. Yeah, it's more. I guess the, the better word is probably immature yeah. for whatever age they're supposed to be playing. So yeah, they, so they got this weird laugh scene. They just stare at each other and laugh. <laughs> so then, all right, this is where you know it gets ratchet. It, it ratchets up a level now. Like to this point, it's been kind of campy and a little goofy and sideshowy. But this is when it starts getting serious. So they get in their, they leave. Or they get in the car and they leave, and they're driving. They're driving up, and the gates close. So Bill said he's he's driving. He says, "All right, I'm going to get out and open the gate." So he gets out, and then like there's there's a bunch of like scarecrows or whatever uh, lying in the little driveway there. One of them jumps down off, jumps down off the post, and like uh, hits him upside the head or attacks him or whatever. Jerry jumps out, you know, because this is happening, and then another scarecrow jumps down and starts beating the shit out of him. And it turns out it was uh, Otis and Tiny. Um, then they kind of attack the car and then they get the girls and then Otis jumps up on the car and he's like screaming, you know, screaming to the heavens or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then it cuts to like this, it's the, uh, next morning and, uh, Rufus is coming out of the house and he's got the car on the tow truck and he's taking it away. And on the, on the bottom, it says October 31st, Halloween. So now we, once again, we've established this is Halloween, 1977. Then it cuts to, uh, Denise's dad, you know, the guy from earlier. He's calling the cops looking for him because they were supposed to be there and they never showed up. Then it cuts back to the house and uh, Jennifer, one of the girlfriends, wakes up and uh, Otis comes in and he's once again, he's, you know, preaching his craziness, tell, talking about his career. He was stifled or whatever. And now they've opened him up or something, something to that effect. Otis and baby like walking into the room and Bill's like chained up and they start torturing him, like, you know, cutting him like he, I think he hacks his hand off or some shit like that. Yeah. Me, meanwhile, the, the, you know, the old song Brick House is playing. <laughs> But you know, you know the song "She's a Brick yeah. House." You know everybody knows that. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is playing as this is going on. And then it comes back and says, yeah, yeah, y'all really helped me out. And then he, she's like, where's Bill? You know, he pulls back the curtain and here he is. And he, and he says, here he is fish boy. And he's done, turned him into like some, like weird, a sideshow like, attraction mermaid. Yeah, fish boy. yeah. Like half man, half fish guy. <laughs> and he's dead. Of course. All right. So <laughs> then you, now we're introduced to, we're about halfway through the movie here at this point, I think. So now you're introduced to uh, Deputy Wydell and uh, Officer Nash. Deputy Wydell is played by Tom Towles, who uh, oh yeah, who is also known from a uh, Henry Portrait of a Killer. Uh, the Night of the... Oh yes, for <laughs> Some... sure. The uh, the Night of the Living re- uh, remake. Night of I'm sorry, Night of the Living Dead remake from 1990. Yeah, that one um, I mentioned earlier, which actually Bill Mosley was in too. <laughs> yeah, Tom Towles. Yeah, so there's definitely ties there. Um, yeah. Once again, unfortunately, he has passed since this movie came out. He died in April of 2015. Part of the yeah. curse. No. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> We're not going to speak it now. Come on. It's uh, only, you know, 12 years later, but it's still part of the curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other cop, Officer Nash, is uh, played by Walter Goggins, who's been in a ton of stuff, you know, just in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, he had a, a long run on the TV show The Shield. Um, uh, but he was also in uh, 2010 predators one of the oh. predator like what i don't know the third or fourth predators movie and uh he was uh probably most notefully i guess recently he was in hateful eight he had a pretty big role in that oh. um but you i mean every, i'm sure you would recognize him if you see him he's been in a ton of shows movies you know he's a he's a, a veteran character actor at this point um so they yeah you're introduced to these two cops they pull up at captain spaulding museum and uh they go in, you know, to question them about, you know, the missing kids or whatever. They ring the bell. <laughs> this is funny. Like, you know, Spalding's got like a little bell on the counter and they're ringing the bell nonstop. Because like, he's like, what the fuck? Is, you know, he says, uh, I'm going to, when I come out there, I'm going to rip your nuts off. And then he, he, he comes out and notices. And then obviously he realizes that it's two cops and he's wearing a shirt that said pigs is beautiful. And it's got, <laughs> and it's got like this cartoony pig with like a cop outfit on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they don't say anything about that, but obviously, you know, now he's in a shitty situation. So they're, they're there to ask about the missing kid. And then there's like this, uh, you know, they're, they're questioning him about that. There's some more smart assery going back and forth. And he eventually tells them, all right, you know, th- this is the map of where I sent them, you know, the missing kids or whatever. And then there's this weird skunk ape, Dr. Satan cut scene. It's like, it's one of, another one of those psychedelic cut scenes, but it's about like, a, they, they talk about this skunk ape or something that's nearby. <laughs> and then. And then, oh, yeah. then, and then uh, it cuts to like Doctor, like uh, Denise. It comes to find out, I guess you, you realize that Denise is drink one of the girls. She's dreaming, and she dreams of Doctor Satan or something. Like she walks up to the to his uh, grave or something like that, and then like a a corpse jumps, jumps out of the ground. Then she wakes up, and she's tied in bed. She's tied down to a bed. And she's dressed like like a I don't know like a little schoolgirl outfit kind of something thing, but she's tied down to the bed. And uh, then Tiny comes in. You know the eight foot tall. You know whatever he is, he comes walking in and he's, <laughs> and he's eating cereal. Did you notice the name of the cereal? Yeah. Agatha Krispies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agatha, he's eating Agatha Krispies cereal. And he's wearing a shirt that says cheap ass Halloween costume on. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And, uh, uh, and it's also gross too, because it's like, he's eating out of like a dog food bowl. He's eating this like, you know, basically it's like a rice krispie cereal out of a dog. Yeah, bowl. dog food, just, and he's got and he's got on like a half mask thing. So and you yeah. see the, the cereal and the milk like falling out of his mouth as he's shoveling it in. And, and that's yeah. another 
and that's another thing I'll point out too at this point. Like when I watched this, I watched it twice, you know, for the podcast here. I watched it once, just kind of, you know, watching it because it'd been a while. And then I watched it to make notes and stuff. And the first time I watched it, I was eating. Dude, I wanted to <laughs> don't watch this movie while you're eating. It's fucking nasty. All right. <laughs> that's, Especially that's, if you're chowing out on Agatha Crispies. The sloppiest way you can eat cereal. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, God. You know, as I'm sitting there. I, I, like I don't think any of it made it into his mouth. I mean, well, it made it in his mouth, but I don't think it made it down his gullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just sloppily eating, and it's fucking nasty. Like I said, while you're eating, not advised. He's sitting there eating this cereal, and she's like, please let me go, let me go. So he just goes over there and just unties her and lets her. He said, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna leave. You know, I'm just going to go home now. I'm going to leave. And then all of a sudden, Otis jumps out of nowhere. He says, where the fuck you think you're going? He grabs her and like throws her into like a... They got like a little uh, cell, like over in the corner. You know, he throws her in there, and then this is this is part of the randomness of this movie. At some in some points, all of a sudden, like three or four women jump yeah. out of like jump on her out of nowhere in this cell, and then they just cut yeah. away from it, and like they never come back to that again. Like, what yeah, the I fuck was that? Oh, well, I mean, I, I haven't read anything about what that scene necessarily is from, but if I had to venture a guess, I'd say it's kind of a throwback to, if, and if you know, knowing Rob Zombie and his love for like grindhouse movies in the 70s and 80s was a movie called blood sucking freaks mm-hmm. where one of the scenes in there or in more than one scene in that movie though there was this caged you know thing of caged women like feral women that this uh these this guy's like a sideshow type guy you know magician and stuff and but he also murdered people so and he would throw them into the cell after he was done with them and, and these little cannibal girls would take care of the the leftovers, I guess. And, 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 and that may be the case. You know, maybe that's what his, he's referring to, but it just comes out of nowhere to me. Yeah, it's out of nowhere. And you never get back to it. Like, you never see yeah, it again. There, there's no, I don't know. There's a couple of things that happen a little bit later on that are similar to that, too. And it's like, what? It's just not, <laughs> it's not in the flow of what's been happening here, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I love the fact that uh, Otis, like, looks at Tiny and I was like, what the hell were you doing right there? And, and, Otis, yeah. and, and, and Tiny's just like, uh, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> like shrug. <laughs> I think I think everyone's already done enough to me, so uh, leave me out of it. Um, so then it cuts to the cops. They they have now found the car. You know that they were driving. It's beat all the shit. So then it cuts back to uh, baby has Jerry tied up, and uh, she asks him like, "What? Who's my favorite actress, or something? who's my favorite movie actor, or something?" And he says uh, Marilyn Monroe. She's like, "No, wrong. It's." How did she say Betty Davis? Davis. Yeah, yeah, Betty Davis. And and then uh then she just fucking scalps him for getting the wrong answer that he possibly could never know the answer to. <laughs> then she scalps him. Uh so once again, you know, the crazy. She plays the crazy, I'll give her that. Um cops. And then it cuts back to the cops, uh, you know, that have found this car and they're looking it over and they open up the trunk and there's the body of one of the dead cheerleaders. And they, he's like cut uh, treat or trick, like onto her as it's like in the trunk. I know that's a turning point too for some people. There walked out, <laughs> and in the movie when I saw it in the theater, some people walked out on that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, like you're that. damn near like a solid hour into this movie at this point. I don't see why <laughs> yeah. that would be the out. You know, I know that's, <laughs> that's when you hit the eject button. I don't know. <laughs> and they never came back. I mean, I thought, thought they're probably maybe just going to the bathroom both together. Oh, oh no, no, they never came back. <laughs> I'm just going to go get popcorn or something. No, no. Yeah. They said, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> we draw all the lines and parents. carved up cheerleaders, I guess. <laughs> it was myself here. So it's like, all right, we've seen what we came to see. So peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's that. Um, 
So then it cuts to uh, Otis and Grandpa. They're like sitting in a room and they're watching the monsters on TV. And they're arguing over like, uh, man, let me get let me get in that car and I'll, I'll show you how to drive it or something. Said, man, you probably can't they're even like, get you your can't even fast. get your ass in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it when they cut back to that here. Like there's another scene then they cut back to that in a minute. And then uh, uh, Grandpa sitting there watching is like, man, I hate fucked up families. That I thought that was one of the lines of the movie right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Grandpa's got some good lines in that movie. I mean, he does, he does. Like the whole Jimmy Olsen thing. I don't know what that just came out of like nowhere when he spouted that line out and just cracked me up for, I mean, probably more than it should have. But. Stop screaming! You're gonna wake up, Grandma. To <laughs> yeah, that whole stand-up thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then uh, it cuts to Denise, Denise's dad. He meets with those cops, you know, that uh, that where they found the car or whatever, and uh, then they like, all right, I'm gonna go help you find them. So they go to the house um, where this is all. You know, the, the Firefly house or whatever. So that's where they go. And then, uh, so uh, the dad and uh, Officer Nash, they go around back while Officer or uh, Deputy Wydell goes to the front door and he's, he's talking to Mother Firefly and he convinces her, you know, like, yeah, let me come on in so I can look around. So he comes in and he's sitting there like talking to her or whatever and they're going back and forth. Then it cuts back to dad and uh, Officer Nash, the dad and Officer Nash around back. They open up like a, a, a room that's chained. And then they see, like, three or four bodies laying around and uh, the girl Jennifer, like, strapped up and cut up and stuff. And then it cuts. And then that's when it, like, almost the movie slows down for a few minutes. Yeah. It's kind of, this uh, is kind of scene right here, too, almost. I mean, it's totally, it, like you said, it slowed down and takes it out of what had happened before with the quick and fast editing. Now it kind of moves into this yeah. sort of Sergio Leone via... Quentin Tarantino type scene or something. Yeah, so, so they slow it down and then they start playing the old Slim Whitman song, I Remember You. Um, as it like, so then like they realize, oh shit, this is a fucked up situation. You know, like I said, it's kind of playing out in slow mo with the music playing. They radio uh, Deputy Waddell, like what they have just found. And then as he's on the radio, like responding, uh, Mother Firefly pulls out a pistol and just shoots him right in the neck. So. You know, once again, the slow mo. It's you know, it's a, a cool little effect going on there. He drops dead, and uh, then it cuts to them out back again, and the dad uh, takes off running, and then Otis pops out of nowhere and shoots him right in the back with a shotgun. And uh, that's when the officer Nace turns around and, and and realizes like, oh shit, I'm I'm in deep shit, and kind of like drops his radio and his gun or whatever. He's, yeah, yeah, and then gets down on his knees. And then Otis is just standing there as the song is playing. Uh, and then it ends, right? The song ends completely. Yeah, yeah the, the song time. ends, and then I think it's like a full 30, 40 seconds yeah, of silence yeah. where you're just sitting there waiting for him to shoot this dude. And there's like this crane shot, and it's backing up. And then, like I said, pure silence for 30, 40 seconds. Nobody's moving or anything. And then, pow! He uh, shoots the dude. It's a cool scene. Uh, the way the way they uh, shot it and the way they edited it and everything was a really cool scene. Probably one of the more, I would, I would imagine, it's got to be one of the more memorable scenes from the movie, for yeah. sure. One of the more filmatic uh, ones, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, so now, you know, that, that's happened. The, the cops are dead. The dad is dead. So now, you know, now you know, like, oh, well, fuck, they're fucked. Any chance they had of getting out of this, that's over now. All hope is gone. Cuts to uh, Baby and Rufus. They've gone to a liquor store called Red Hot Pussy Liquor. And uh, <laughs> the guy that works behind the counter, his name is Jerry Ober. <laughs> and his little name tags she's like it says goober because like apparently somebody put a little extra o between g, uh, g ober so <laughs> she calls him goober or whatever and and there's some line like well i like to get fucked up so, yeah i bet you do you know um 
it's just this, once again, he's just a goober dude, you know, working in the store. They pay for the liquor and leave. Um, so then it cuts back to the house, and now Otis is skinning the dad. He's he's up in his room or whatever, and he, or, you know, upstairs, wherever the hell he's at in the house, and he's skinning the dude. Um, and then he skins him and wears him. He makes a dad suit out of, <laughs> out of the guy. And that's his Halloween outfit, I guess. He, and he comes downstairs, and he, he's got, like, a robe on, but he's, he's, he's wearing the dad. And then he goes up to the dude, the, the dude's daughter, Denise, and he kisses, and he, like, kind of tongues, like, tongues at her through the mask, or, you know, the, the skin <laughs> As mask. As he's saying things about, who's your daddy type Yeah, line. who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, pretty fucked, like, like, like I said, all hope is gone. This is a fucking dire, <laughs> fucked up situation now. Um and then, and then Otis says, it's all true. The boogeyman is real, and you found him. Talking about Dr. Satan, so he's actually going to take him to Dr. Satan. So apparently Dr. Satan is a real thing, and we're going to take you to him. So then they have, like, this weird, like, kind of, like, funeral procession where they're all dressed up in robes and stuff, and they they walk out with uh, uh, the three, the two girls. What is it? Yeah, the, yeah, the two girls and Jerry, Denise, Jennifer, and Jerry. And uh, then they put, uh, when they get to where they're going, it's like a well out like in the middle of this field and they put and they have this uh big coffin so they put jerry down in it and then one of the other girls jennifer she runs off so then uh baby says let me chase after her notice it's like yeah, i guess why not go ahead and then as she's running away he's like run rabbit run rabbit so that's a uh <laughs> that's a famous little line from the movie too it's um, even in it even pops up again in the song during the end credits i believe too yeah the run so, rabbit yeah, huh? yeah. Um, so then baby, she chases that baby chases after her and baby eventually, uh, catches up to her in a, like a, this graveyard where there's just a bunch of like crosses. It looks like, you know, hundreds of graves wherever she's at here. <clears throat> and, uh, she jumps her and then like put, takes her to the ground and says something and then stabs her right in the heart or right, right in the chest. And then I think she stabbed her five or six times. This is a pretty brutal scene. Once again, this is where I was alluding to, uh, Sherry Moon zombie playing the crazy up pretty high. <laughs> Oh yeah, she plays this. It's pretty fucking brutal, you know. Just the stone cold, like looking into somebody's eyes as he's stabbing him in the chest five or six times, you know, and then, and then a, laughing and then laughing about it. It was a very intimate scene, like like when when that happened. Mm-hmm. Like it slowed down for a pace, and then she like goes full crazy psychopath. And in a in a movie with a lot of brutal in it, this this is this is one of the top five to me. Oh, it's yeah. pretty brutal. Um, and it alludes back to the scene of her with the switchblade earlier when she threatened to, you know, cut yeah, her tits yeah. off. Yeah. So, like I said, she didn't full, do that, cra- full crazy. <laughs> Fucking maniac. Um, yeah. So then uh, it cuts back to them at the well or whatever, and then they they put Denise, the other girl that didn't run, they put her in the coffin with Jerry, and then they lower them down into the well, like kind of right above the water. They're kind of hanging there, and then they kind of like lower a, a little tape recorder that's playing like these satanic ritual messages or something. And then, once again, this is Another one of those scenes to me that kind of comes out of left field, these these like zombie creatures or whatever the hell they are, just rise up out of the water and then they start tearing the coffin apart and take Jerry away. Once again, like it's almost like the girls in the cage, like it's a cool scene and all, but like it, it, to me, it just doesn't fit what you've seen yeah. up to this point. True. You know, so, by the way, in the uh, the speaker, uh, that apparently is a clip of uh, Alistair Crowley Alistair Crow- repeating. Yeah. <laughs> Bury me in a nameless grave. Very effective. Line, yeah, which is a, a line from a poem called "The Poet." 
Yeah, and, and they play this quite a bit here in the last little bit. And yeah. it's like not only here, but you know, a little bit further along as this whole the whole ending is playing out, you hear that a lot. So yeah, they that these creatures just come out of nowhere, tear the coffin apart, take Jerry away, and then they're just gone. <laughs> so, so then Denise gets out like what's left, you know, and, and then like she goes down this corridor, and then this random like hobo looking dude almost looks like Rob Zombie a little bit, but he's dressed in the bunny suit because that's another thing too. They're all dressed in these little bunny suits. Which I guess that's part of where the run rabbit run thing came from. Mm. Um, this hobo looking dude walks up. He's wearing like a filthy bunny suit. And then another guy comes up from behind her and then they grab a hold of her and then they just rip the bunny suit off and then they disappear. Um, so she's walking down. Now, you know, now she's wearing like the little school wear outfit she was wearing earlier. And she walks down this corridor. That's just a lot, it's a really long corridor underground that's just lying on skeletons. And corpses, I guess, whatever. And uh, she gets freaked out, runs all the way down. Then she hits, at the end of the corridor, there's double doors. She opens up the doors, and then there's almost like a bone cathedral in there. She's just kind of looking around, like, dumbfounded. And then all of a sudden, this random, like, weird dude over on the right, like, pulls a rope and starts opening another door. Like, there's some more double doors. They open up, and then... uh, there's some random experiment dudes just sitting around eating. Once again, gross when you're trying to eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> Wouldn't advise. Uh, <laughs> um, there's like three or four dudes just sitting around. like They look like experiments, like uh, mental experiments or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever the hell's going on in there. And then uh, she looks over and Jerry is being uh, like he's like on like an operating table and he's being operated and experimented on by i guess at this point you assume it's dr satan and he's cutting on him and stuff and messing with him and she starts freaking out obviously and screaming and then uh another one of these random experiment monsters like an axe monster i don't know what the hell he is he is he a cyborg i don't know you kind of get the cyborg feel <laughs> yeah. because of the red goggles and the all things this. yeah and things on his arms well, that, whatever those tubing and yeah, stuff. Th- and then if you listen to the whole thing you, you hear those uh, like a uh, stereotypical like uh, oh yeah 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 so whatever the hell this thing is it starts chasing after her. she runs away or she's running down the corridor then it cuts back to the i guess this is pretty much one of the final times you see the firefly family and they've got Jennifer's, the other girl's body, and they put it on like a funeral pyre and they burn. Um, I guess it's like a sacrifice to the to Dr. Satan or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, so then it cuts back to Denise. She's still running around down there. And then eventually she hits a dead end. And the, the cyborg axe monster or whatever comes up and like swings his axe at her. She ducks and then like hit, he hits like this load-bearing timber or something. And the whole cave collapses on top of him. Um, she gets knocked out. She wakes up, I guess, at some point later. And then, like, uh, kind of looks around and then realizes there's a way out. So she climbs up and then, like, pushes out of the ground. She's out, and it's, like, now it's, like, the next day. So I'm guessing this is, like, the uh, November 1st, right? <laughs> a, new day has, a new day has dawned. She, so she's kind of, like, she's beat all to hell from all this. And she's walking down the, walking out of the field, and then she walks on the side of the road. And wouldn't you know, um, a car comes along, and it's Captain Spaulding who picks her up. And says, oh, God, what the hell, you know, they've been looking for you. What? Where have you been? What happened to you? He's like, "Don't worry, I'll uh, just sit back and relax, and I'll get you to the I'll get you to the doctor." And then, and by uh, the way, he's got a Captain Spaulding's riding in style, like the badass '59 yeah, yeah. Cadillac convertible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, up to this point, you kind of figure—I I guess you kind of figure Captain Spaulding is in on it, but you don't really n- know the connection, right? Like, you just think he's kind of the eccentric dude 
that may or may not be on in on the gag, right? But at this point, now you realize he's in on it when Otis sits up. He's been laying down in the back seat. He sits up, and he's got a knife, and it, he's about, you know, this is slow-mo. He's about to come down on her. And then it cuts to uh, now she's uh, in Dr. Satan's experiment room or whatever underground, and that axe mon- monster is standing over there to the side. And then there's a scream, and then it says, The end. Then question mark? Yeah. <laughs> the end. Question mark? And then you hear uh, Rob Zombie's cover of Brick House. Brick House 2003 plays during the credits. And that's House of a Thousand Corps. Will, what did you think of this movie? You know, you can go ahead and give us a, your, your star rating and what you thought about it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I figure I'll go somewhere around maybe maybe three and a half on this one. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it the first time that I saw it. Like, watching it this time definitely gave me, like, a different take from it. Just noticing how much of a... Uh, love letter like I said it was of like old horror movies but yeah overall I, I enjoyed the movie so would you say three and a half yeah pretty solid uh smoke what do you think uh yep yep I mentioned about earlier you know the hype and everything when pun first seeing it and being slightly disappointed that first initial viewing and then subsequent viewings that you know got better and better for me so uh and of course like Willie mentioned is a, is a love letter to like the 70s 80s well even going back in the 60s drive-in grindhouse exploitation cinema and you know growing up with all that stuff you see all these little side you know all these little nods to different movies even if it's just a small scene like that one i mentioned may or may not even be a nod to blood-sucking freaks but that's how it kind of came across to me i saw that in it mm-hmm. and different little things like that were cool when you know viewing it especially viewing it and it also makes it it leaves it open for you know multiple viewings i guess repeated viewings of not just catching up with that storyline and stuff like that, but catching nods to other movies that you didn't see the first, second, or even third time around. I can't say how many times I've seen this movie at this point. I'd say, yeah. I'd say at least eight to ten times, for sure. All right, so what are you thinking? How many stars I'm are you going to land on? I'm going to go with, uh, I think I'm going with three on it, which is not, you know, not bad for me as far as, like, if, if I had to rate it way back when, when I first saw it in the theater, and I walked out, you know, coming out, I mean, not walked out, but coming out of the theater afterwards, I might have read, you know, rated it like, Maybe I would have given it two stars at that time just because I was, like, expecting something even more from it. Mm-hmm. And then after that expectation has gone away and watching it again, it's kind of like the way I felt about Halloween, this new, you know, the Halloween remake. took a little yeah. bit more, another viewing or two for me to get behind it a little bit more. So. But now I give it, I give House of Thousand Corpses a solid three for me. For myself, I think I'm going to go with Will and say three and a half. And the reason I say, I probably land more towards smoke on the side, like what my feelings are about the movie. But I have to give an extra half star just for uh, Sid Haig and uh, yeah, Bill oh, Mosley. Yeah. They're so fucking awesome in this movie, man. <laughs> yeah. like, I have to give it a little bit of a bump for that. So I'm going to go three and a half. <laughs> I will say I'm, I'm, I, I've always kind of been, a, 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 I wouldn't say disappointed, but a little let down by the last like 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah, yeah, the ending. Was... I, I mean, I like I like the ending of the you know the, the Friday the Thirteenth type feel to it, where like you yeah. know, Otis pops up and grabs a hold of I, you know that's kind of cool. You know, I like that part. Yeah, it's just all the Doctor Satan stuff. <laughs> True. Yeah, I agree with that too. It was kind of like he, he maybe maybe didn't know exactly what ending was originally, and like you were saying when he when he made the original bad ending to get more. Yeah, money. like if, the, if this ain't the shitty one, I'd hate to see. It. <laughs> 
<laughs> not, that, not that this is shitty. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying that like, yeah. this isn't necessarily the best ending either. True, yeah. You know, yeah, it just so. kind of comes out of left field. It's like a lot of things in the movie do kind of pop up, like the girls in the cage thing. They just kind of pop up one time and they're gone. And But, you know, you hear the mention of Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan throughout it. And then you get to that point, you're like kind of like, oh, well, this is I not guess necessarily had, what I was expecting from Dr. Satan either. You know, I guess there the, had to be some kind of payoff with the Dr. Satan yeah, story. You yeah. know, I, oh, obviously, yeah, like you said, they're building up to it, but. I don't know. It just seems so starting with the girls in the cage and then everything else. It just seems so out of line for where this movie has been up to this point. You know, I don't know. Yeah, Because before, I don't know if maybe he wanted a different and I haven't read any. I haven't listened to any interviews with him or seen any about the ending to the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he maybe wanted to make it a little bit different than so it didn't look like he was doing a carbon copy of Texas Chainsaw Last House on the Left. You know, he wasn't just he had to put something some other spins in there to make it his own. Rather than just yeah, us yeah. off of these movies, you know. That's another so, thing too. Like, yeah, if, if 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 the only horror movies you would ever watch were Texas Chainsaw One and Two, you would almost think this was a damn near sequel to yeah, those movies. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if those were pretty much the only one you'd ever seen. Yeah, I didn't mention it earlier, so I'll mention it now. I guess this is as good a time to say it as any. You know, after we give our star ratings. On IMDb, it gets it got a six point one stars out of ten. Um, so that's that's right, that's, right in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a you know, those, if you yeah. average it out, it's about the same. You know, as far as a five star versus a ten star one. On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie on the tomato meter only got nineteen percent, and that's out of eighty one reviews. So the <laughs> critics, the critics did not like this movie, <laughs> but the fans did. On on Rotten Tomatoes, it gets a sixty five percent. Okay. And that's out of like over 130,000 ratings. So that's a pretty good, you know. So yeah. once again, the audience loved it. Critics just shit on it. Um, <laughs> Which, so you know, I, you figured they would. They probably would because, I mean, it's yeah. if you're coming at it from a more cinematic perspective or whatever, then, yeah, it's going to be it it'll, could just come off as looking like an extended Rob Zombie video. <laughs> yeah. But there's more to it than that, I think. And, and uh, I think it does what he set out to do, which is pay homage to those 70s and 80s and 60s, 70s, and 80s grindhouse exploitation movies and does a good job of it, I think. So I think uh, overall, I mean, like uh, we said, th- uh, Will and I said three and a half stars, Smoke says three. So I guess, you know, overall we can, uh, three of us together would definitely recommend it. Um, our next episode, episode, what episode is this? And I'm blank. This is episode eight, right? Eight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> episode nine of the All American Spook Show podcast. We will be traveling back in time to the 80s, 1989. To watch the original Pet Cemetery, we figured it would be a good time to go back and revisit it since the uh, the 2019 remake um, should be out. You know, by the time we record that podcast, it comes out April 5th. Um, mm-hmm. So even if we don't, you know, come out with the next show around that time, it, give or take, it'll be about the same time. So we thought it would be a good time to revisit the classic um, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Um, the I will read the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis of Pet Cemetery. Uh, it says, after moving to an idyllic home in the countryside, life seems perfect for the Creed family, but not for long. Lewis and Rachel Creed and their two young children settle into a house that sits next door to a pet cemetery built on an ancient Indian burial ground. How, how, many, how many movies, huh? <laughs> their mysterious new neighbor... Judd Crandall hides the cemetery's darkest secret until a family tragedy brings the secret to life. Now an unthinkable evil is about to be resurrected. However, you need to watch that if you haven't seen it before. Um, so yeah, try to watch that in advance. You know, hopefully we'll be able to 
record that episode around the same time the new one comes out. So, so anything else you guys want to add about uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Pet Cemetery, anything before we before we end this sucker? Oh, well, I guess we could mention a little bit about uh, was it, oh, I think all have all of us met Sid Hag and uh, Bill Mosley before. I have, yeah. um, I'm, and I'm assuming you have. So I guess Will yeah. will be the only one who hasn't yet. But yeah, I, I got to meet him back in 2017. So. And I got his autograph. I got a picture with him, and I got his autograph. So maybe I'll post those to the social medias. Yeah, I'll post up one too because I ended up getting. It's about. I mean, I've seen him over the course of because I Mosley does a lot of a lot of conventions. Uh, Sid Haig does quite a few too. But uh, I mean, between the both of them, I've probably seen Bill Mosley maybe three or four times, and Sid Haig at least twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, B, I got him to sign. I'll, I'll post that up too on the Facebook page. A uh, poster with both of them on it. And um, as you. And as you heard at the uh, beginning of the uh, episode, uh, we did get an, a little plug from uh, Bill Mosley for the podcast. So uh, <laughs> go back. To, you, if you didn't hear that, go back to the very beginning of this podcast and you can listen to it again. It's pretty good. Um, uh, that smoke was able to uh, when he met with him the last time he was able to get that. So all credit goes to you, brother. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was a fun convention. Yeah. And was, he always makes it. He always makes it a. Uh good time like i can't not stop it doesn't matter how many times i see him or talk to mosley like or sid Hague too but then just mosley's at more of them i guess that i, I still got to stop out there every time and talk to them again that was the days of the dead back in uh january or february right of this year yeah the yeah. one in uh, atlanta yeah so uh so i guess with that i mean will you got any last words not tonight <laughs> i want to i want to be done that's what <laughs> All right, well, I guess uh, that's it for uh, this episode of the All-American Spook Show. For Will and for the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We'll see you next time, guys. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.